Thank you for being in the house of the Lord today. God truly is good, and we're thankful that you have taken time to be in the house of the Lord. Exodus 20 and 12, if you'll turn there with me. I uh, know we're sitting amongst uh, some adults and and been going through these Ten Commandments and might think today might not totally apply to you because um, kids are grown or you're not a kid no more and parents may not be here and all that kind of stuff, but let's hear this out today, so. Exodus 20 and 12, honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. It is so good to see Sister Tara walk in the door today. So good to see her. What a blessing to have her here with us today. Amen. Um, honor thy father and thy mother that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. So many of us can no doubt quote famous sayings from movies. Um, I could name a few today. And you can name out the movies real quick, you know, like, um, I'm not even going to go there, we'll just leave it alone. We know we all can quote the movies and the famous sayings from all these, but unfortunately we have so many people cannot even name a few of the Ten Commandments, much less all of those that was given to Moses on Mount Sinai. God gave us these Ten Commandments because... He wants us to have the right relationship with Him. He gave us these Ten Commandments because He also wants us to have the right relationship with each other. That was the purpose of the Ten Commandments. I will quickly run them through them again today. I've been doing this ever, ever Sunday I've been doing this. We know there's no other gods before God. No graven images. Don't take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Remember the Sabbath day. Keep it holy. Honor your father and mother. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not commit adultery. Do not lie. Do not covet. That is their simplest form. Of course, the, you read it in Exodus 20. It's, it's more than that. And there's more entailed with it. I've done went over the first four, which um, they deal with the relationship with God. And today we're going to look at the first of the six commandments, the last six that deal with our relationship with each other. And today we're just going to be simply talking about honor. Simplest form of this commandment is just simply honor. I'm going to open this today with reading an excerpt from Brother L.J. Harry's book that I'm teaching a lot of this from. Ten words. He says, Caddy Wampus, Tara Driddle, Snickersnee, and Wendershins. <laughs> uh, he said, I knew only one of those words, in case you're curious, a teradiddle isn't, is a lie. Well, thanks to the dictionary, we, we know that 
A snickershee is a knife, and a windershin means counterclockwise. And the reason we know this is because of men like Dr. Samuel Johnson. We have a dictionary. Neil J. Harry writes and tells us about Dr. Samuel Johnson. And you might be wondering why we're talking about the, the dictionary and Dr. Sam, Samuel Johnson when we're supposed to be talking about honor, and specifically this verse, honor your parents, your, your mother and your father. So he was born the son of a poor bookseller in Litchfield, England. This is an incredible story. Each day, Samuel's dad carried an armload of books to his booth at the market and utter extra England. I have no idea if that's how you say it, but that's how I'm saying it today. Um, but one day, his dad was feeling way too sick to go to work, but he still needed the money. So he asked his son Samuel. His son Samuel was old enough to go and sell the books for him. So he asked his son Samuel to go to the market for him that day, and his son Samuel said no. And no doubt that probably made for a very awkward, weird day around the house because they needed the money, but the young man wouldn't go. Years later, his dad fell sick, and this time he did not recover. So in 1731, Samuel Johnson's dad died. Samuel was 22 years old when his dad died, and he moved on, and he moved to London. And in 1755, he compiled the dictionary of the English language. It wasn't the first, but it was the most widely used dictionary for 150 years until along come the Oxford, <clears throat> excuse me, the Oxford English Dictionary, and it became a lot more popular. But Dr. Samuel Johnson was a huge success and he could have never yet he could never forget the day when he was a boy and his dad was that bookseller and this regret really got to his conscience but he couldn't ask his dad to forgive him because his dad had already passed away so one rainy day dr dr johnson made his way back to Yutter Exter, I don't know how you say this word. I, I usually Google this stuff. I didn't Google it today. And if you don't know how to say something, you can just go Google it on YouTube. and will tell you how to say anything. So I didn't do it today. But he went back to this place where his dad's booth stood. And the story says that he stood in the pouring rain for over an hour without raising his umbrella above his head to keep him dry. He stood as a sign of repentance for dishonoring his dad from nearly 50 years earlier. The town was so touched and moved and even amazed the fact that he remembered or even cared that he told his dad nearly half a century ago that he told him no. But he did remember. And they remembered his repentance. And for years in that town, they have celebrated a ceremony called Johnson's Penance. They gather around the monument they built to remember the way he honored his dad, and they tell the story one more time. I thought that was a, a good story that he had used, but honor your father and your mother. That's the fifth word that God gave to us, gave to his people. It is the very first word that God has given to us that relates to our relationship with other people. 
And it's a quick review. I know I didn't kind of say it, but let's, let's do it again. We, we have learned that we shall not have no other gods before us. We have learned that we should not make any graven images. We have learned that we should not take the name of the Lord in vain. We have learned that we need to remember the Sabbath and to keep it holy. And to hear them in those, it, to my explanation my, for this, you can go back and listen to our podcast for these. But all these commandments, they relate to our relationship with God. And if we can't have a relationship with God right, we're never going to have a relationship right with other people. And he chose God in his divine way of things. He chose to start off with us learning first to honor those who brought us into this world. Because, without a doubt, you can almost see that those who have issues with honoring those who brought them in this world, their parents, they will struggle through life. They will have a lot of struggles in their life. And if we can get that part of our relationships with others, starting at home right, it will help be able to have us to be able to have the right relationships as we go through this world with other people. Exodus 20 and 12, the text says, Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God has given you. But L.J. Harry said this about this fifth commandment. He said, The commandments has caused... A lot of questions throughout time. This commandment has. And it has it not. As a pastor, I can't tell you that many times I've had, whether it be a young person or somebody older than uh, being young, they now an adult, said, how can I honor mom and dad or a mom and dad who doesn't even honor God? How do I honor a mom or dad that I don't even know? isn't just celebrating and honoring them Mother's Days and Father's Day. Is that good enough? The question's like, do I still honor my parents when I become a parent myself? Does God expect me to honor parents who abuse me? I've had this question asked me many times. How, how do I honor this person that abused me? Do I honor my parents even after they're gone. And what does it really even mean to honor our parents? Most of you sitting here today are in the same shoes that I am. Either your parent, you have a parent that's gone, or in my case, both of my parents are dead. And we question this stuff. If we get older and really you're not in their home no more, and we think, well, I ain't got to honor them no more. The question probably is best to start with today is, is this last question. What does it even mean to honor our parents? What does it mean to honor our father and our mother? And it means, the word honor, it means to give, give them weight. Make them heavy. Well, we already made our moms heavy when we were in their belly, right? <laughs> uh, I hadn't got to see her in, in, in person, but uh, Sister Kayla Norris is pregnant. Maybe you've seen her on Facebook. She's about ready to have a baby very soon. And um, Cheryl says she reminds me very much of what I looked like when I was pregnant with, with Bethany. And her belly's sticking way out there. She's put some weight on her. Cheryl gained 50 or 60 pounds with Bethany. Absolutely. So she added, she added weight to her, right? Or does that mean that the kids are going to get us uh, lots of things in our life to... to, to uh, uh, make our life have more stuff. I like getting stuff. 
I like Father's Days and Christmases and, I mean, pastor appreciation. I guess as soon as I got here, a couple of kids come running out there and hand me some money today. Hey, I can get used to this. That's, that's good. No, I'm kidding with you. I, 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 don't, even, I don't even need nothing. I'm, I'm blessed. So, But this Hebrew word for honor, it refers to the weight of the importance of the influence to us. To honor our father and mother is to regard them highly. Regard them highly. Simply stated, someone said it this way. When we are young, we're, we honor our parents by obeying them. And when we are old, we honor our parents by taking care of them. Let me say that again. When we are young, we honor our parents by obeying them. When we are old, we honor our parents by taking care of them. And surely... Not with my dad, I didn't have to experience that, and him dying early, but mom, I did experience a lot of that. Not as much as my brother did. Um, with me working and him not working, he took the brunt of that. And, um, and he done a lot of things that the man did not want to have to do for their mom, you know. And I no doubt some of y'all might have been in them places too. And that's what it kind of means. And the rabbis of old thought there was... No higher glory than the glory of honoring a parent. And we can see this from, from, from how the rabbis of old honored their parents. Listen to this story of Rabbi Tarfion's. His mother had to step up to get into her bed each night. But this rabbi believed that he wanted to honor and help his mother. So he would not let that happen. He wouldn't just let her have to step up. So he would stoop down on the floor and get his back bent to the place that his mom could step on his back and get into the bed. It's said that another time, he and his mom were walking along, and her sandals split. And they was walking around on um, cobblestone sidewalks. And it is said that he would put his hand under his mother's, each footstep of the sandal that broke, that she did not have to walk on the cobblestone of that courtyard. That is... Absolutely incredible. These rabbis took the commandment very seriously. And so did many others. When we see 37 chapters into the history of mankind. We read the story of Joseph. I mean, has ever read the story of Joseph? It's a, Joseph is an incredible, powerful story. But it's a story that was written before Moses went to the mountain. Before the Ten Commandments. But Joseph, even though he had never heard Moses... Ten Commandments, and, but he just knew it was the right thing to honor his father. His mom had already passed away. His mother had passed away when she gave birth to his younger brother, Benjamin. And it was just his dad and his 11 brothers. One being a full brother and the, the other one being just only brothers by, by their dad. But here's the thing. I, I've read this story so many times and preached about it and talked about it, but Jacob just did not help Joseph out really at all because he made it very well known that Joseph was his favorite son he gave him an expensive coat the Bible calls a coat of many colors there if he wore it everybody could see from a distance oh look that's the son that's the son I love so much well so did them other 11 brothers see that too and when you when, when you see the fact they knew that Joseph was the favorite son Joseph's special coat, 
having dreams about his family, bowing down, and then these 11 jealous brothers, no doubt. Then you probably add in some hatred for the fact that why is this nearly the youngest son? He's the one that dad loves so much. Part of this was just, I mean, it just created a, a deadly recipe. And we've read the story. We see what happens. And a lot of this, is, it's Jacob's fault. It's not necessarily these brothers' fault. It's Jacob's fault. And, and we see a lot of this in the, in the Bible, but this story probably no more than any other when the fact that, that Joseph's brother just couldn't stand, no doubt, when they seen him coming. He, obviously, it seemed like they wouldn't let, he wouldn't let him work. He wouldn't let him get out there in the fields, but yet he would send him to the fields to go check on the brothers. Let's go see. You, can you imagine? Just go out and check on your brothers and see how they're doing. Don't take no work tools. Won't you take a, a notepad? Now, if they'd had cell phones during that time, it'd been real bad, right? Go take pictures and bring them back and tell me what your brothers are doing. Post it on Facebook. No, I, he, But obviously, he sent them out to check on them. But he didn't send him out with intentions to check. He said, basically, Dad said, go write down everything they're doing wrong and then come back and tell me about it. Jacob, don't do that to your son. But he did. And when his brother saw him wearing that coat, Knowing, hey, he's got that coat on. Here comes dad's favorite. Well, they took him. Wanted to kill him. Took his coat. Tore it to pieces. Put blood on it. Lied about it. Throw him in a pit. Sold him. And finally just said, let's forget, forget Joseph. But God was with Joseph. And God helped Joseph keep him from becoming bitter. Now, a lot of times we talk about him becoming bitter to those brothers. But you know what? He probably had a lot of stuff he had to fight about being bitter at dad. Because dad was really the one who was at fault and not the brothers. Because that would be a natural reaction to being jealous. Now, we've all fought that if you had siblings at all, you know. I know some of y'all probably the only children, but... We've all fought that. Well, they love him more. They love her more. Look what you have. Blah, blah, blah. But God's hand was on Joseph. And God raised him up to be prime minister over all the land of Egypt. And when God finally decided that that dream was going to come true and brought his family back into his life, God had an ultimate plan. He was trying to save the children of Israel from the famine that was coming. But when we see Joseph finally seeing his dad, we see the kind of honor that he gives him anyway. Because when Jacob finally arrived in Egypt, this was his response in Genesis 46 and 29. So Joseph made ready his chariot. He went to Goshen to meet his father, Israel. And he presented himself to him and fell on his neck, and he wept a good while. Joseph could have, he could have just sent a delegation to meet his father and say, hey, look, this is where he's going to stay. I really don't want to see him. He could, have, he could have just said, all right, bring him on here. here. We'll throw him in the jail cell. See how he feels. I, I spent time in jail because of him. But Joseph honored his father. He offered him the best 
the finest of the land, and the land of Goshen. Now, so many times we want to talk about Joseph's brothers, but I guarantee you, Joseph had to fight some issues about his dad. Dad, if you hadn't have made, me, uh, made me look like I was the one, whether you loved him the more or not, why, why did you do to this to me? And God honored Joseph for honoring his father. You see, honoring our father and mother means that we obey them when we're young and we care for them when we're older. Don't check out. Stay with me here. And Joseph did exactly that. He obeyed his dad when he's young and he cared for him when he's older. Maybe your story is Joseph's story without the coat, without the prison sentence. Maybe your dad abused you. I'm, I may deal with some emotions here today, and if I do, I'm sorry, but we, we do need to deal with some things. Maybe your mom neglected you. Maybe your dad walked out. I hope he didn't, but I know it happens, and it's happening all the time. I really hope that we all had the best mom and dad in the world. I hope that they bragged about having the best son or best daughter in the world. But even if you didn't, this commandment is not out of reach for us. Because we can still honor God by honoring them. Perhaps one of the greatest ways that we can honor our parents, especially those who have wronged us, is by forgiving them. I know this is a little heavy today with some of this. And we might think, well, the kids are not up here. Now, why are we not talking about this? Because it doesn't stop when you get married. It doesn't stop when your parents die. Because even if they've already been buried, we can forgive them. I have a cousin right now that he found out something that his father done after his dad had died. And he used that as an excuse to walk away from God. He is one of the most bitterest, hateful individuals that you could ever speak to in your life. He literally went to his dad's grave, took a gun, and shot, unload the gun on his father's grave because he's so bitter and hates him so much. You see, our forgiveness won't make their wrongs right, but it will set us free from unforgiveness. Someone once said, unforgiveness is the cruel warden that locks you up while the person who hurt you walks free. And that's how we view that so many times. But as hard as it may be, we need to ask God for whatever it takes, the bravery, the courage to pray this prayer. God, I forgive them. Would you please forgive them? Now, and this could apply for more than moms and dads that may be in our life that we felt that done, done us wrong. And, and this, is, this is a place that well, they may not deserve it. They may not need it. But it's, it's not as much about, forgiveness is not about as much about them as it is, it is for us. It may be an unthinkable prayer, a tough prayer to pray, but it is the right one. Because this is where, this commandment is where it starts to uh, uh, try to get our relationships right with everybody else. The first four, God was working on us to try to get our relationship right with Him. And we can't be right with others until we're first right with Him. And then when He leaves those four commandments, He starts giving us more commandments to deal with other people. And the very first one, He just starts it off at home. 
is what he's doing. And honoring our father and our mother that our days may be long upon the land which the Lord God has given you. This commandment comes with a promise. This commandment comes with a promise. Some people may ask, why is there so many young people that dies? I truly believe a lot of young people leave this world because this commandment has failed to be implied in their life. This commandment, the fifth one, is, it, is in fact, is the only one of the Ten Commandments that comes with a promise. Because when we honor our father and mother, God promised our days would be long on the earth. And when Israel heard that for the first time, they were still at the foot of the mountain in the middle of the desert. And they were headed for the promised land. And somewhere in the back of their minds, they knew they were about to live in a land that was surrounded by other nations that were possibly stronger than them, possibly longer, larger than them. They, they didn't already had these thoughts and seen this stuff. And the threat of those nations attacking them, that was in their minds. And maybe that's why God put this little promise at the end of the fifth commandment as a promise for the nation uh, and the individuals themselves. But more importantly than, than uh, uh, having higher walls and, and stronger soldiers, honor would protect the nations because honor would protect their families. And, and this is where I think, especially in this nation right now, we, see, we are seeing a fall apart in our nation. It started at the home. It has started at the house. And there's a breakdown of honor in the home both directions, whether mom, kids to parents, or parents to kids. And they, they were blessings for honor, but there were also consequences for those who dishonor. And just one chapter after this one, God gave to provision for the children who had a, uh, they had a, they had a tough time for the commandment, all right? Exodus 22 and 17 says, He who curseth his father or mother shall surely be put to death. And that's pretty strong. Then you can look at Deuteronomy 21. Every time I read this, I try to fathom these, uh, this, this scripture, this this passage and think about how bad it had to be for this. Listen, listen to this. It, it talks about if a man had a stubborn or rebellious son who wouldn't listen to the, the voice of his father, the voice of his mother, and that they've, they've tried their best, they've tried to correct him, and he wouldn't listen to them, then they were to take this child and bring him to the elders of the city, to the gate of the city, and they shall say to the elders, Deuteronomy, this is Deuteronomy 21, 18 through 21. This son of ours is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey our voice. He's a glutton and a drunkard. Then all the men of the city shall stone him to death with stones. So you shall put away the evil from among you. And all Israel shall hear and fear. I can't envision. I cannot imagine my son or my child being so, so bad that I had to take them and say, look, I can't do nothing with it. Do something with it. Nowadays we do that and they put them in the child protection services, right? Then they just kill them. So they understood the ramifications that, look, if you don't honor your father and mother, you're going to die. 
Now we, we can all agree that seems to be pretty severe. Death by stoning. That's a strong warning. Not, but here's the thing. Not all the fathers in the Old Testament were, they weren't eligible for the father of the year. God knew dads would say things that they shouldn't to their kids as well as mothers. They knew that they would take their anger out on their children. And it wasn't right. And God knew it would happen. Yet he still called for children to honor their parents, even when their parents didn't honor God. Or them. Or anybody else. And one day, those children, they were going to grow up and be parents. And they'd have children of their own. And they would need their children to honor them as they honored their parents. And that's the whole point. The fact that, yeah, your mom and dad's not somebody worth honoring, but if you'll honor them, it's almost as if it's a promise. If you'll go ahead and honor them, you're going to have a better chance of your kids honoring you. Jay Sterling Morton taught his children there were no consequences. Uh, he taught his children there were consequences to dishonor. After... It is said that after he buried his wife, Caroline, he had inscribed on her gravestone, Carolyn French, wife of J. Sterling Morton, and mother of Joy, Paul, and Mark Minton. We see it a lot now, but children's names during this time weren't usually engraved on tombstones. My mom, and, my mom had mine and my brother's uh, name inscribed on there. I think Sister Cheryl had, they, they had their name inscribed on um, Sister Yvonne's tombstone, but during this time it didn't happen as much. But Mr. Morton, he had a reason why he inscribed their names on there. He took his children to the cemetery and showed them to their mother's grave and said to them, your mother's buried here. If one of you ever does anything to dishonor or anything which she would be ashamed if she were alive, I'm going to chisel your name off her gravestone. <laughs> so, he was using it for a reason. And all their names are still on there. There are consequences for dishonoring parents. That God, God sees dishonor as evil. And honor doesn't mean... Now here, here's the thing we've got to understand. Honor doesn't mean we can't disagree. It means we can't dishonor. You can disagree and still honor them. Jesus disagreed with his stepdad. You thought about this? Joseph thought Jesus should be going back to Nazareth with them. But Jesus thought he should be teaching the doctors and the lawyers in the temple that the kingdom of God has come at 12 years old. A preteen, a 12 year old, teaching theology. To the theologians, right? I've met some teenagers who thought they knew it all. <laughs> Raised two of them. They know more now than they did then. All right? I'd heard it one time. I used to tell my kids, Bethany really liked it. You need to go ahead and write that book right now. Soon, one of these days you're going to get old as me and be as dumb as I am. <laughs> Mary and Joseph brought Jesus and the rest of the family to Jerusalem. When seen some friends, they worshiped, they ate, they do like we do when we go to famous places like that. They worshiped and they ate some more. 
after a few days of having a good time, it was time to get everything together and head back home. But at some time, someplace in the trip, Mary and Joseph, no doubt, began to do a head count. I can see Mary looking at Joseph and say, Joseph, where's Jesus? And, where's Jesus? No doubt when he had that look on his face like us guys get sometimes. Her face probably began to get red when she realized Jesus was missing. Jesus was gone. See, Jesus wasn't your average 12-year-old. At his birth, there was angels that showed up announcing his birth. Angels showed up at his birth. Well, he had wise men from, from the east come and bring him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Jesus was God in the flesh, and he was missing. And no doubt, Mary and Joseph was about to lose it. We have lost the Savior. And that's a whole other sermon in itself, right? But you wonder what that conversation was like when they was heading back. I know what them conversations have been when me and Sister Cheryl's gone some places and like, Joseph did what we do, us dads. I thought you had it. <laughs> it's your fault. He blamed Mary. And no doubt, Mary do, did what women do. She turned around and just looked. All they got to do sometimes, right? Anybody ever get that look from Sister Cheryl? Been not as much as I have. <laughs> I've got it plenty of times. They begin to head back as fast as they could, and they look for three days. They ask around, we're looking for our son. We can't find him. He's 12 years old. His name is Jesus. No doubt they begin to ask here and there and everywhere. They looked all over, and they couldn't find him. Finally, they went back to the temple, and there he was. And standing in front of the doctors and the lawyers, just absolutely wowing them with his knowledge. He was only 12 years old. And those religious leaders were absolutely amazed at how wise this young man was. But when mom and dad showed up at the temple, Jesus remembered the fifth commandment. Honor your father and your mother. No doubt, when Mary looked at Joseph that one more time and she asked, Jesus, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been looking for you everywhere. Jesus could have answered them any way he wanted. He was God in the flesh. He was wiser than anybody on this earth ever has been or ever will be. He could have told Mary and Joseph, the, talked to them about the conversation they were having on the way back to get him. I heard you. I, I, I heard what almost come out of your mouth. <laughs> no doubt he could have told them. But Luke, 5, Luke 2 and 51 says, then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. And we do not hear anything about Jesus again until his mama says, Son, you do what I say. You help them at that wedding. So for nearly 30 years, Jesus became subject. The man Christ Jesus became subject to his parents or his mom. Dad was obviously probably done dead at that point. But during those years of development, while Jesus lived 
with Mary and Joseph under their roof, Jesus honored his mother and his father. And although Joseph was his stepfather, Jesus honored him. Maybe we don't have a father no more. Maybe you only had a stepfather. Maybe we only have a father-in-law. I only have a father-in-law in my life now. I don't have mom, dad, or mother-in-law. Yesterday, me and Sister Cheryl just took some time to do some things at home. And we've been trying to go up and see Brother Kenneth at least twice a week, sitting with him some. He is, his blood has turned into water. Um, so we were sitting in there yesterday, and he goes over and turns his little gas fireplace on because he's hot or cold. I'm sitting there sweating about to fall asleep. <laughs> but I had done a lot of things around the house yesterday, done too much things around the house. My watch keeps up with my exercise, and it was like blowed out the roof yesterday, like 49 minutes of exercise. And a lot of calories burned, and I'm sitting there. All of a sudden, he turns the heat on. I'm like, oh, gosh, help me. But then from all my work I'd done, a Charlie horse hit me here, and a Charlie horse hit me here. And it was all I could do to get out of that chair. When I did, I finally I was standing like this, absolutely locked and could not hardly move. I was in the kitchen. I heard him coming before he ever got in there, already speaking in tongues. Oh, God, help him grab the hold of my leg and begin to pray. God, help him. I know how this feels. Lord, help this. Heal him right now in Jesus' name. Well, it's pretty easy to honor a man like that. <laughs> it's pretty easy. But if your father-in-law or your dad is not like that, you don't have to agree with him. I didn't agree with him about turning that heat on you speak. When he grabbed hold of that leg, started praying for him. I was pray, praise, pray. <laughs> but Jesus believed he should have been in the temple teaching the scriptures. But Mary and Joseph thought he should have been with them heading home. Although Jesus disagreed with them, he still honored them. But what about those tough cases? What about the parents who asked their kids to do wrong? Keep their kids from doing the right thing. You know how many kids I've had that their parents wouldn't let them come to church because they know they love church so much. So to discipline them, you know what they've done? You can't go to church. I can't count the many kids that said their parents would discipline them and wouldn't let them come to the house of God because they know they love church. How does that child honor them? What do we do in those cases? In two of Paul's letters, he commanded the children to obey their parents. Ephesians 6, 1 through 3. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment of the promise. There's that promise again. That it may be well with thee, and thou may livest long on the earth. In Colossians 3 and 20, Paul said, Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing the Lord. This first passage, Paul commanded the children to obey their parents in the Lord. One translation, the New Living Translation, says it this way. Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. And then the next, very next verse in both passages command fathers not to provoke their children. Remember, God was speaking and, and Paul was writing this stuff down. He wasn't writing to unsaved people. 
He was writing to the Spirit-filled, born-again, Jesus-named, baptized people, parents. He was telling them. And here's the thing. It's difficult to tell a child how to honor our parents who don't honor God. And if parents tell their child to, to uh, uh, take a sip of beer, should he obey? Should they obey and take a drink? No. Even if it means getting a whooping, that child should not do it. We can honor without obeying. We can show respect. We can't, we can't wear the righteousness better than you t-shirt even when that situation because that's self-righteous. And sadly, some Christian children pay a high price for living a Christian life in a non-Christian home. And even though they may have to respect and refuse when a parent orders them to sin, they, we can teach them to do it so respectfully. We've got children. We've got a van load today of kids here, and some of them don't. Their parents don't come. And, but honor is, it is a two-way street. Martin Luther said, spare the rod and spoil the child. That is true, but beside the rod, keep an apple to give him when he does well. Yeah, we needed to discipline them, but we need to also honor them too. And these two passages of Paul in Ephesians and Colossians, they, they put the weight not only on the children to honor the parents, but the parents to nurture the children. And the best way to ensure our children honor their parents is for us to live and lead them honorably. And I know some of us have got kids that's already grown. But even our grown kids, we need to honor them. That way they'll honor us. Um, I'm going to bring this close today. Brother L.J. Harry tells this story in his book, Ten Words. It's a little lengthy, so bear, bear with me as I read and paraphrase through it. But it's a powerful story about what I'm talking about today. Brother Harry said, I came across the story of a young lady in Illinois who fights this very battle of honoring a parent that doesn't honor them. Her name is Rosen. Her entire family is Muslim, but someone invited her to Pentecostal church. She came, and she and her sister were both baptized in Jesus' name. Rosen kept going back to church, but her sister went back to Islam. Here's how she tells her story. So soon they found out I was going back, and, fate, and I faced a fight as soon as I got home from my church. My mom told me I was being a disgrace to my family. My brother slapped me, hit me, put... But the bruises didn't matter. I wanted to live for Jesus. My mom told me to stop going to church. I didn't want to displease my mom, but I was facing a unique dilemma. I wanted to please God, but that meant disappointing my mom. But I chose to please God, and God helped me keep the right attitude towards my family. I told her, I'm not going to stop. I feel God at church, not the mosque. Every day since then, my mom would call me every name in the book, in Arabic and in English. She would say, you're not my child. You're not part of this family. It hurt, but I knew the devil was just trying to stop me. My family thought they would stop me from going to church by sending me overseas to Jordan. Not once, but twice. It was hard at first. I felt so alone. I thought to myself, why not just give up? Just when I thought I was alone, I wasn't. God was with me, and he was steering me up. Something inside of me was burning. Every chance I would get to reach out to someone overseas, I did. I wasn't afraid anymore. Nothing could stop me. My cousin found out I was telling people about God, and he told me I had no choice. I had to choose between him or God. And if I chose God, he told me to stop talking to him. I said, that's fine. I choose God. Then he sent me back to America. 
I thought the struggle was over since my family found out I was going to church. I was wrong. It was worse. Next, my sisters turned their back on me. I got hit even more, spit on every day, and got mocked daily. They would say, what is your God going to do to help you? I prayed every day for God to help me, strengthen me, and help my family understand why I wanted to serve him. Then, on August the 20th, 1010, August the 20th, 2010, my brother was shot and killed. It hurt my family very much. Listen to this. It made my mom very, an angry, very angry person. She blamed the whole death on me. Would often ask, why couldn't God take you instead of him? He was my son. You're nothing to me. On the inside, I was hurting and angry. But I didn't let it bother me. I kept fighting. I didn't understand why I was getting blamed for my brother's death. My mom was getting angry, angrier daily. She would do, go days without talking to me until one day she came to my room, locked, uh, looked me in the eye and said, You know what? I pray that something bad happens to you every time you leave. I wondered who would say that to their daughter. It was driving me crazy. Every day, the pressure got to me. I failed God. I was so angry at myself that I turned to the world for answers. Once my family saw that, they all started talking to me and accepted me again. My mom asked me to get married for money because it would help her and my family. It was pleasing everyone else but God. I didn't care how much my mom uh, hurt me. I just wanted to feel loved and appreciated, so I got married. It was a bad decision. I was miserable the whole time. But even when I did get married, nothing seemed to change with my mom or my sisters. I was still the odd one. And that's when I knew I was never going to fit in with my family. I was different from them. I am a child of God who had to get back up and step it up because I was, wasn't praying for my family or the Middle East. If I wasn't doing it, who would? So I got myself recommitted to God and was stronger in, in Him than ever before. This is a tough story where a teenage girl had to choose between obeying her mom or living as a Muslim, pursuing Jesus, and living as a Christian. What do we do in like a story like that? You do what Rosin did. She respected her mother, but she was hungry for God. And her hunger drew her closer to God, even if her family pushed her away. We have children. We have teenagers here whose families are not in this church. They don't come to this church. And many have fought and will fight Rosalind's battle. We even have adults in this church that have fought their own mothers and fathers to come to this church. We know that. But the fifth commandment doesn't call us to agree with our parents, but it calls us to honor them. And sometimes honor is just simply a card on a holiday or a birthday. Sometimes it simply is just saying, I forgive you. And I hope our parents, your parents were the best parents you could ever have. But even if you can't make it two minutes without fighting with your parent, honor them by praying for them. Honor them by loving them. See, the power of God through prayer can do what no other power can do. As a matter of fact, Rosin, the story I just read, can tell you that. But I'll let, you t I'll let her tell that to you. She said, at the time I wrote this, I was continually praying for my family. 
Even though I no longer live with them, I kept in contact with them through phone calls and visits. On April the 5th, 2015, I invited my mom and my sister to Easter service. I didn't know what the outcome would be, but during the service, God touched my mother's heart and she was baptized in Jesus' name. She still needs the Holy Ghost, but I thank God for moving on my family. Yeah, it was hard. It was tough for her. Honor. It's not easy, but it's right. Honor's not always easy. And we can go we can go beyond mothers and fathers today. And it will we'll see it as it goes the rest of this uh, this last five commandments we'll go over. It has to start at home, but that honor starting home is designed to to uh, to go out to the other people in this world. Because if we can't even honor the ones who brought us into this world, we're sure not gonna honor somebody that didn't. Even if they didn't honor us. God's command is to honor our father and mother. Why? Because it keeps this world from going into disorder. As one of the first weird words I give us, I was talking about um, Samuel Johnson, it keeps this world from going cattywampus. You ever used that word before? It's cattywampus, gets out of whack. And this is what honor does. And I think that's one reason our nation right now is such a mess. The honor in this world, this nation, has been broken down. Lord, I ask you to help us today. It's not always an easy thing, God. I know not everybody that hear this or is here today was blessed as I was with the parents that I've had. And I don't take that for granted. I know I can't maybe understand where everybody's at. But nevertheless, your word still says that we need to honor. And I pray that you would help us. God, if there's anybody here today or anybody that may hear this on the podcast, God, that is struggling with this, God, that we could see that this honor is not, it's, it's just like forgiveness, Lord, and that we, it is as much for us as it is for them. And I'm asking, God, that you would help us, God. Help us to live a life that would be somebody that deserves honor. Help us, God, to teach our children to honor. Help us to teach as a church body, the mother, to teach these children that's coming without their parents, that we can teach them to honor their parents, even if they're not honorable parents, God. Help us, God, in this time that we live. We desperately need honor to get back into the homes, God, back into children's life, back into adults' life. Help us, God, as we're in this journey, Lord, of learning to have a better relationship with you, God, that we can have a better relationship with others. And we know that's got to start at home, Lord. And I pray that you would help us today. Lord, we love you and we thank you for all your goodness and all your blessings, Jesus. Jesus, your wonderful name. Amen.